Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michael King about an uncommon method to avoid burnout as a leader through blueprints and frameworks. Michael King, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John, for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. You're joining us from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about avoiding burnout as leaders. There's lots of conversations around burnout generally. We talk about how leaders can support their people in avoiding burnout, but leaders are dealing with it too. They're they're having a great weight put on them. They're having to navigate all the complexities. So how do we navigate and avoid burnout as a leader? And what are some of the uncommon methods uh, that we can go about using uh, to to try to help with that. And I know you talk a lot about blueprints and frameworks around how that can be done. So we're going to unpack that and explore that all together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Michael's bio with everybody. Michael King is founder and CEO of Teams Coach LLC, is a highly sought after executive and business leadership coach, and he helps business leaders clarify and execute at high levels through his proprietary teams methodology to develop measurable business growth and company-wide collaboration. Michael has close to 20 years of hands-on experience leading teams and organizations, and in the past five years, he's worked with a wide range of clients from solo entrepreneurs to top company executives. And I could really go on and on, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else, Michael, that you would like to highlight with your own professional journey um, and path as, as you've gotten to this point before we launch on into the conversation? Yeah, uh, well, I think that that bio makes me sound significantly more, uh, you know, <laughs> important or significant than I, what I truly am. But I do feel really very, very lucky that I end up uh, being in the lane that I felt like I'm, I was created for. Um, and, uh, you know, even in even how this links into the conversation we're going to talk about today with with leader burnout, you know, so for um, for like roughly about 20 years before I became like an official licensed, certified, credentialed master's degree uh, executive coach, um, I was 20 years working with pastoral leaders and working in the church context and, um, you know, and moving across the, you know, across the country and working for high level visionaries uh, and executive pastors and even some music type of things, production things. And I actually got to a place to where I experienced burnout. Um, it affected my life. It affected my 
family, um, affected the churches that I was serving. And, um, so somewhere in the, in the whole grand, uh, orchestrated design of purpose in my life, um, you know, things played out a little bit differently for me. So I'm so thankful that I get to lead from a first share experience on this. And, um, and yeah, but thank you for having me on this, on this podcast. It's great. Um, so I got three amazing kids, uh, married to my wife, Beth, for 25 years. We have two huge dogs that are about the size of horses. I got a St. Bernard and a St. Berdoodle. <laughs> and, um, and so it's been, uh, it's been great. And so living here in Omaha, Nebraska, I do love Omaha. The, the, the peak of our stress level here in, in, in living in Nebraska literally is just comes down to whether the football team is winning and who's going to coach them next year. So, um, you know, so it's been a bit rough lately is what you're saying. Oh my word. It, it affects, <laughs> affects everything. It affects the state economy. It affects, you know, uh, whether people actually go out in, in, in go shopping, hang out with their friends or their family. Church on Sunday morning, by the way, um, I don't know if you're a church guy or not, but like you, you know, it, it affects like congregations are down like mass percentages, like, you know, sometimes upwards of 30%, depending on whether the Huskers are winning or losing. So, Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but kind of not, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, well, good. Thank you so much. And as we were talking in the pre-interview, uh, I'm from Missouri, uh, not far from Omaha, really, um, just a few hours and uh, a wonderful part of the country. And I love getting back there whenever I get the chance. And I, I totally get, you know, how the whole community gets wrapped up in something like football and, and those sorts of things. Um, all right. So today we're going to be talking again about burnout. And again, as I mentioned in the introduction, this impacts everybody. I mean, everyone's been dealing with burnout. COVID has been a really tough time. Uh, and People had to figure out how to navigate schooling at home while working and all the health and mental health challenges uh, during that time. And we've largely come out of the the height of the the, the pandemic and the, the COVID restrictions and all of that. Um, yet many people still are, are struggling to kind of get their footing and, and, and get set again, even though things have kind of gotten back to quote unquote normal. Um, during all of that time, tons of attention was given towards the average worker who may have been struggling and how organizations needed to show empathy and compassion and accommodations towards people who are struggling to avoid burnout. Uh, and especially with the great resignation and a tight labor market, like you better treat your people well and help deal with burnout. Otherwise, you're going to lose them. So all in all of that conversation, though, very rarely do we actually talk about the leaders within the organization's who are also experiencing the exact same things, yet they often don't have people looking out for them the same way that hopefully they're looking out for their team, right? Um, so let's start there and talk about burnout as a leader, um, how you know it's similar in many ways to just the normal burnout that any worker might feel, but also maybe some of the unique elements of leader burnout that are worth highlighting, and then we can get into how we can go about avoiding it. You know, this is a, it's a serious topic. And I think, I think more times than not, um, we end up, we end up finding, finding people in, in, in burnout phases of, of leadership. And we don't know necessarily why, you know, you might, you might find yourself as a senior leader within an organization and, and consistently going into one of your peers offices and just feeling like, man, I'm so tired of having the same conversation with this person over and over again, because they just seem like they're a Debbie Downer. They're just not bringing any life to the party. They're certainly not producing. 
and you don't necessarily know what to do about it. And I, and I think that that's why executive coaching, this is why like for me, man, I love that I get to work with Fortune 500 C-level leaders. I love it. Why? Because I get to feel like I'm making a massive difference in making shifts to be able to help somebody find their purpose, but also for them to be able to see and think differently, to be able to help them live out their best version of themselves, best life, affects their family life, affects their organization that they serve. Um, so when we when we talk about this that topic, we're really talking about a couple different things that we need to address first and foremost. You know, the mind, you know, why we think the way that we think, uh, the way that we feel, and the decisions that we make. And those three things along the along the way, there's all these different like snippets of tricks that get thrown our way that make us feel like that we're incapable of making decisions that we deserve the f- to feel the way that we feel. And then the decisions that we make aren't decisions that we make, but it's consequences that we're stuck with. And those are kind of the big three elements that come into play when it comes into a leader kind of accepting burnout instead of fighting their way through it. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting it, leaning into it, understanding that it's a natural part of the process that everyone has to deal with. Um, and, and then trying to have healthy ways to navigate it, I think, uh, is important. You know, sometimes I think about um, the burdens that anyone uh, has, and, and you've talked about pastoral work in, in a church context, whether we're walking, talking about that context or we're talking about just general community context or organizational context, people have burdens. Everyone has their stuff. Every single person in your organization, in your team has their own backstory, their own history, their own stuff on a daily basis that they're dealing with. And, and there's usually hard stuff going on in pretty much everyone's life. Uh, and so um, recognizing that and recognizing as a leader, on the one hand, we want to be supportive and show empathy towards those people. And we need to practice self-care for ourselves. We also just need to recognize that this it's part of the deal. Like it's part of the deal of life that you're going to be dealing with these things. And so when it occurs, let's, let's build muscles and habits around healthy um, approaches to burnout, uh, so that we don't spiral and go down unhealthy rumination paths and, and other do doing, um, other negative behaviors that ultimately are going to just pile on, um, what we're feeling and experiencing. Um, and that's something I see all the time. And, and I'm sure you, you, you actually referred to this just a few minutes ago, and I've certainly experienced it too. I, I have experienced burnout as a leader, as a, as a worker, um, generally, but also as a leader, I've experienced burnout. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard when you feel like you're carrying the weight of everything on your back and you don't want to make a misstep because you know it's going to impact a whole bunch of people. Um, that's heavy. That's heavy to to carry. And especially when, I mean, in the best of times, that's a heavy weight to carry. But when things are really complex and messy and the the, the ground is shifting under you <laughs> as you walk, you know, that that's really hard. Uh, to be able to to deal with that and keep perspective and to recognize and value the challenges that are you're facing at the time so that you can deal with them in a productive way. When you get into this mindset of being stuck and you know a really great recipe for burnout is, you know, it's almost like the same recipe for, you know, what they call insanity is trying the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results. When you, when you get into this, this phase where it's like, you feel like you don't have the ability to do something different, that you're stuck running the same exact play that you've been running forever. 
And but you desperately need something different to happen within your life and within your organization, but you don't have the authority or the or even the ability to make a different decision, to make a different choice. That's a really great opportunity for you to to absolutely spiral out and uh, and to get burnout. So, and one of those things is so when we talk about even just on the first part of it, so we talk about you know how you think, your mind, you know how you feel, and then the decisions that you make. You know, going all the way back to to the mindset part of of that within working with an executive leader of understanding you know, you have your inputs and your your outputs. So the first thing that I would challenge you on is just is just recognizing. I love this quote that you are the sum average of the five loudest or the five most influential voices in your life. Understanding that the part of the way that you're thinking about things and even how you feel like you might have the authority to take on certain things has a lot to do with who's influencing you in the first place. So who's your boss? Who's your who who's your who's your reporting authority? How does that look like? Is there a good chemistry relationship happening there? Is there a clear understanding of the issues that are actually at hand in the first place? And even the people that are speaking into your life that, I mean, do you have the cheerleaders that are surrounding you and helping you go to the next level and and to be um, innovative with the solutions that you bring into the table? I tell leaders this all the time is that when it comes to the vision of what you need to accomplish, that shouldn't be negotiable. That should be something that comes from a very, very deep-seated place. It might even be something that's the vision of the organization. It's non-negotiable. But the strategy sector, strategies and systems, those need to be collaborative. Like you need to be able to invite people in for you to be able to figure out new solutions. And so that's why those inputs are so strong. Um, And then, of course, we'll talk later when we talk about the Blueprints Frameworks thing. But that all comes down to outputs. Like who do you, who's surrounding you? Like, who are you leading and do you have them in the right seats? That's so key with making sure that you're you're being fair with understanding uh, what burnout is and the implications of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many, diff- like, as you've referred to, there's, there's, I don't know, a gazillion different ways that people can feel burned out and what the causes of that burnout might be. So for as many people as you have in your organization, there's probably going to be that many different slightly slight variations on the type of burnout and the reasons behind that burnout. Um, I I'm thinking of, you know, one type of burnout or one cause of burnout that I had felt uh, not too in the not too distant past. And it was, you know, just feeling like I'm putting so much mental energy, not, not only into my work, like do good work, show up, be creative, be innovative, lead my team, help them excel, et cetera. Like all those normal things um, that take a lot of energy. But I felt like I was putting so much energy into constantly, you know, I, I see it as a big role of a leader to be an advocate for your people. So if my team, if there's something that I see as, you know, I perceive as an inequity or unfairness or something like that and how they're being treated, I want to address it. So if there's some system process procedure within the organization that's inequitable or unfair, you know, I, I see it as my job to advocate for them and to um, and to push back in healthy ways and and to try to help them have as positive of an employee experience as possible. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, as I step back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm dealing with those same things. Who's my advocate? You know, and in 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 the the darker moments, you know, where I'm kind of wallowing in self-pity a little bit and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm butting my head up against the wall over and over and over again. Um, and who's my advocate? Who is, who is looking out for me? Um, and, and I look around and I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see my advocate. And, and that can be a little depressing. 
Um, and now part of that is just, you know, the lonely road of leadership as we talk about often. Um, it's just part of the deal. Um, so some, some, and to some extent, you just have to be willing to recognize that's what you're going to be dealing with. Um, but it's hard when you feel like maybe you're undervalued, maybe you're not being uh, appreciated, maybe um, things are are negatively impacting you in unfair ways and nobody's advocating for you like you're trying to advocate for your team. It's just one of many ways that could, you know, lead uh, an individual to burnout. It's something that I've felt in the past. That's so good, John. And, you know, what you find is that is, and maybe you can relate to this a little bit in your, in your situation, but you find a lot of times that our systems and our structures, our strategies, and our, even our processes, like the things that we do as far as like how we get things done as a company, a lot of times those things are set up on the motivations of the people that are making the decisions. So if your motivation is to have amplified top line revenue, and that is the main thing that you're looking at, what you end up finding is that a, is that an organization, they'll put people who are absolute rock stars when it comes to increase, increasing top line revenue, and they'll put them into place. And they'll go ahead and put their playbook into place. And whether you like it or not, it's probably going to be profitable, but you will pay for it. And because why is because the motivation isn't about EQ. It's not about high levels of emotional intelligence or high levels of, of organizational efficacy. These things are becoming more and more valuable uh, as we're kind of transitioning through, you know, the 2020s. Um, I think probably all the way, this is going to be a decade experience for us to be able to right size value systems within organizations. But that tension that you feel of wanting to be an advocate for your team and then wanting somebody to be an advocate for you if the motivations of your senior leaders aren't there to care about the things that you care about, then you are in a dark space, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just one example of, of the difficulties that you have to navigate as a leader and why burnout is just very real. And I'm sure people listening, you know, I, I'm sure there's lots of people nodding their heads saying, yeah, I've had those experiences or, or other similar types of experiences. We've all been there. We've all felt that. And it's hard. Uh, and so uh, give yourself space to deal with that. Um, hopefully you don't, evolve and spiral down into negative <laughs> wallowing and, and negative behaviors and ruminations and such. Uh, hopefully you can deal with it in a healthy way. And that's what gets us to the blueprints and the frameworks. So let's go there and spend the rest of our time talking about some of the frameworks that you work with, that you use to work with executives around uh, avoiding or or health in a healthy way, managing um, the, the challenges and the burnout that they may face. Yeah. Well, this is a bigger conversation beyond this as well. And, and so um, I encourage anybody to, if, if they want to go deeper with me in this conversation, feel free to reach out to me. And we'll, I'll, I imagine we'll give contact information later as well. But, um, you know, part of this is that organizational infrastructure actually has function. Do you believe that? Like, does that, that makes sense to me, right? Um, and a lot of times what ends up happening is, is within organizational infrastructure, as far as knowing exactly how those positions that report to you, reporting to John, how those positions are supposed to perform and how we can clearly identify the win within those positions. Sometimes we end up getting the wrong people in those seats and we don't necessarily know how to surround the senior leader with the right type of leader in order for us to be able to elevate the, uh, the organizational success of, of the organization. We, we figured out along the way that we've tried to break this down into two really, really simple identifiers is that if we can find out whether a person is a blueprint leader or a framework leader, we can typically find out whether or not that senior leader is going to be able to really run well. 
just a very generalized statement. I think that bandwidth is the number one asset for any senior leader. Um, knowing that they can, if if you're in a leadership role and you can you can get anywhere from forty to sixty percent of your bandwidth to be future thinking, to be visionary in nature, you are a very lucky leader, and it means that you have the right people in your place to be able to keep the sustainable energy of today happening. So that's good. But here's the thing: a blueprint leader are people that you can say things like this. Here's it's it's almost like um <clears throat> I think the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is full of bunch of blueprint leaders. Uh and here's why is because if you if you are you a Marvel fan or a DC guy or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you might you might appreciate this and everybody else is going, "Oh man, this conversation just became incredibly nerdy really fast." <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I love about it is it's like as much as I love the storytelling and the characters and the talent that's involved, I'm a little bit more like um I'm a little bit more intrigued with the reverse engineering of success in the project that they do. So Kevin Feige, the, you know, the master of the of the, of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, He'll say things to his directors, like a James Gunn or whatnot. Hey, this is how the movie has to end. And here are the three characters that you have to introduce in the movie. I don't care how you get there, but do it compelling. Meet our quality objectives. You have free reign. Build out your framework and go. See, he's talking to blueprint leaders, you know, so he, you know, they decided that, hey, at some level, in order for us to scale, and in order for us to be able to move incredibly fast, we have to have people that understand that they have to build something from nothing and they have to have they have to be able to meet key cultural and key performance initiatives along the way. And there that's really the definition of a blueprint leader. A blueprint leader is somebody you can say this to. I need you, I need you to get there. I don't care how you get me there, but just get me there. With a blueprint leader, you don't necessarily always know that you're gonna get something uh that you've asked for, or maybe you don't even necessarily know exactly what it is, but you know that it's going to be good. And you know that it's going to align with your mission and your vision and the quality standards of the organization. A senior leader that's able to surround themselves with blueprint leaders, they have a significantly better chance to avoid burnout when they have blueprint leaders around them. A senior leader that surrounds themselves with framework players Framework players are people that need to have specific instructions. They need to have a playbook. They need to have an operational manager, you know, moment by moment. They need they they need to have a a, a clock punching mechanism in order to track their time. Um, it's not micromanagement, but it's micro leadership. They need to have the small details of their of their their job detailed out for them in order for them to perform. Those are powerful players too. But some people are just natively a little bit more blueprint or maybe they're more natively a framework. But studies have shown the more framework leaders that you have surrounding a senior leader, the higher chance they're going to have of being a burnout. Well, why is that? It's because that senior leader immediately becomes a micromanager. They become a a framework leader because they have to be because they're surrounded by framework players. Yeah, yeah. And I think also not only are there dispositional components to that. So some people are just more naturally kind of blueprint people or framework people, as you were describing. Uh, I think it's also in part just the difference you see in career development, right? And so you talk about young people coming into the workforce, um, fresh and new in their career. Uh, They need a lot of coaching. They need a lot of mentoring. They probably need more framework, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Kind of attention, um, as they're growing into their capabilities and their self-efficacy and, and just confidence and, and understanding how to go about being successful in their career. 
And then if we develop them well, you know, hopefully we can develop many of those individuals, if not most of those individuals to, to be able to at least be, uh, if, if not naturally blueprint types of people, at least they, they can function in that arena more, um, and, and hopefully as people get senior in their career, they're, they're able to move that direction. Um, but like you said, it's, it's really hard when you're surrounded with people, um, that require that level of attention. So it's not necessarily micromanagement in the traditional sense. It's not, you know, me wanting to be controlling over my team. Uh, the motivations may be completely different, but the energy level required, um, for being a, a framework leader still, you know, it can, can lead to that burnout. And so finding ways to develop your people, uh, especially early career individuals towards, um, you know, more empowerment and autonomy and self-direction, you know, I think is going to be really important. You, and you, you nail it on the head too, in that, you know, when you, when you have blueprint people on your team and you have them at the right level of authority, those blueprint people can mentor framework thinkers and framework leaders and help them become more blueprint along the way. Because here's the thing is that understanding high levels of emotional intelligence, uh, comfortability within the space, and then levels of excellence and, um, and expertise that come into, so when we talk about uh, competency, you know, those things can all improve within a framework leader. So if you're new to a team, especially like if you're fresh out of college or fresh to the workforce, if you're being mentored by a blueprint leader, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be able to, to drift to some of your thinking, maybe even some of your, uh, some of your tendencies to be a little bit more blueprint along the way. And the more comfortable that you get, the more expertise you get, you'll grow into that. But if you put a framework leader high up within your organization and they're responsible to mentor, your chances are pretty small that you're going to help somebody elevate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, this has just been a really great conversation. We could go into great, much greater depth here, but uh, that's going to have to do it for us today. I know you have to go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, my website is www.teams.coach. So feel free to check check us out on the web, um, the interweb, the internet. <laughs> and uh, and you can find me on social for Michael King, uh, anywhere from my personal to uh, to our to our Instagram pages, et cetera, teams.coach for Instagram as well. And also on LinkedIn. Um, and also we have, we just launched a podcast a couple months ago, uh, the Level Up Leader podcast uh, with Michael King. So, um, so we're kind of stepping into the space that you're into as well. Um, and so we, we love that. Um, but yeah, okay. Final word when it comes to just kind of dealing with burnout and, and all those things, I think again, just reminding yourself to having clear expectations and clear authority, um, and clear responsibility, all these things have to align. There's no greater pain that you can actually have as a leader than to have a bunch of responsibility without any authority to make things happen. Start with that one singular thing in the first place, because part of that comes into the way that we, you know, the things that we hear, the things that we think about and the things that we think about determine how we feel and then how we feel determines the decisions that we make. A really big thing for senior leaders is to understand that sometimes we get put in positions in which there's a high level of expectation for us to deliver, but we don't truly have the ability to make a decision to do something different. So responsibility without authority it's painful. So address that and make sure that you put yourself in a situation to where those things balance out a bit. Michael, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Michael and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. 
and I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Monetizing digital services since 2004. Boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG. Where innovation meets monetization.